We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Episode 3 of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Chris King joining you. We appreciate you tuning in. Another busy week of Vandal news to get you caught up on. First, our guest that we have coming up this week, Chris Murray, will be joining us. He does a great job of covering the Nevada Wolfpack. And we'll talk to Chris about Nevada and this upcoming opponent for the Vandal football team. Of course, a former conference foe in Idaho. A tough challenge, but a big opportunity this weekend heading down to Reno on Saturday, looking to make it a 2-0 start on the season. We will also sit down and chat with Vandal soccer coach Jeremy Clevenger. The soccer team off to a really strong start to the season, 3-1-1. They will be hitting the road here soon, and you blink, and it's going to be the start of Big Sky play. So, uh, really, it's been a really impressive stretch for the Vandal soccer team, and can't wait to see for uh, what the rest of the season holds for them. And uh, excited for our conversation with Coach Clevenger as we talk about Uh, how the year has unfolded so far, uh, some of those players that have have made such an impact on the team this year, and what's to come as well. A quick reminder that this is episode number three. We've got two more episodes back in the archives to check out if you hadn't had a chance to to tune into them yet. Episode number one, that was a really fun one. We sat down with Jason Eck and John Stigelmeyer, Coach Stig, who uh, Jason Eck coached under at South Dakota State. Coach Stig led the Jackrabbits to the FCS National Championship last year and then uh, riding off into the sunset and retiring. That was a really fun conversation with Coach Eck and Coach Stig. Make sure to go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. And last week, still a lot of great information from episode number two. We talked with University of Idaho Director of Athletics Terry Golick and preview uh, just the fall sports season. Touched on a lot of good stuff that uh, uh, certainly resonates beyond just last week. And in addition to that, uh, Sam Herder, who covers the FCS as a whole, really kind of setting up for the season. So check those out. Uh, you can listen to the Vandal Insider Podcast a number of ways. You can go to govandals.com slash VIP, or if you also go under 
under the Inside Athletics tab on GoVandals.com. Go down to Vandal Insider Podcast. It takes you to a media player that not only lets you listen to any podcast that we have so far, but also every coach's show. And we put the Where Are They Now segment when we catch up with a former Vandal football player, which airs on the pregame show. So easy to listen to that way. Or you can also listen, download on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. And you can catch all the podcasts, download, listen to them on the go. Whatever's easiest for you, uh, they are all available that way. Well, before we dive into our interviews for this week, uh, taking a look back on the Vandal football opener, the team going down to Beaumont on Thursday and starting off the season with a 42-17 victory over Lamar. Really a decisive win for the Vandals. A pair of Idaho players had two touchdowns each. Anthony Woods, just one uh, running yard shy of his career high. 13 rushes, 138 yards, two touchdowns, including a 93-yard scamper and then Hayden Hatton doing Hayden Hatton things. The Big Sky preseason offensive MVP not only had two receiving touchdowns, well, in a trick play, he threw for a touchdown pass, a 45-yard strike from Hayden Hatton. He does it all to Nick Romano. And uh, something that's fun to, to go back and listen to as we had Luke Schleister, the Vandal offensive coordinator, on our first edition of the Vandal Coaches Show last week. And we asked him about trick plays, which is something we saw throughout the, the first year of this coaching staff last season and it's almost like he left us a little easter egg listen back to this clip uh, when we asked him about trick plays and what he had to say this was the tuesday before the lamar game yeah you know i mean we've kind of collected them over the years and then you're always adding to them you know so after you after you run them a couple times and you have to throw something new at them and uh the players enjoy them it makes practice fun uh to work on these things and you know i always have all these receivers and running backs and everybody bugging me about how much they can throw so we got to, you know, give him a bone once in a while and, and take the ball out of Giovanni's hands and let somebody else throw it. So, Well, then in fast forward, the Vandals pull off that trick play where Hayden Hatton, who had a successful completed pass last year back in his home state when the Vandals beat Northern Arizona in Flagstaff, had another crack at it. And uh, that lobbying must have paid off, or at least having that, uh, that example of how he could successfully do it in a game last year. And here is Hayden Hatton. We talked to him on the post-game show after the Lamar game. And this is what he had to say about executing that trick play. Yeah, you know, so that was that was a blast. You know, I love having the opportunity to throw the ball. Um, I'm naturally I'm I'm a wide receiver, right? But I'm also a twin who grew up playing a lot of catch and a lot of throwing back. And you know, I've caught over a million balls in my life. Fingers crossed, I learn how to throw it properly. <laughs> so uh, after you know, Coach Coach Slice is like, "Hey, who can throw?" And last year, I'm like, "Dude, I can. I got this." Like, so we started doing it and. And, you know, we get to the sideline after the TV break, and they're like, hey, we're thinking about doing this play. I'm like, boom, go time. Let's go, touchdown. Like, <laughs> I saw the guy cheating down from the start and just trusted that I, I could put it on Nick. Hayden Hatton, not only an outstanding player, but an excellent interview as well. Well, with that, we'll bring in our first guest of this episode, Chris Murray. He covers Nevada, has done it for over two decades. We will talk to him about the current state of the Nevada program, a rough last year for him. Ken Wilson, who spent time at WSU under Mike Leach, is a linebacker's coach in his second year leading the program, a longtime member of the Nevada coaching staff. We'll talk about their quarterback situation, the two quarterbacks that played against USC and we will chat as well we'll even uh, get his thoughts on his favorite storylines for the upcoming game on Saturday between Idaho and Nevada but 
for everyone, at least uh, it seems like in college athletics, at least on the, the West Coast. But shoot, uh, Cal and Stanford are now part of the ACC. So everyone in college athletics, conference realignment is a topic of conversation. We will get his perspective on how the Pac-12 and what has happened will impact the Mountain West and specifically Nevada. So all that right here. Again, here's our first guest, Chris Murray. Well, joined now by Chris Murray, does a great job of covering the Nevada Wolf Pack for Nevada Sportsnet. Serves as a columnist for Nevada Sportsnet and has covered Nevada for over two decades. So great to get his perspective on Nevada and this game coming up this weekend. Chris, uh, we really appreciate the time, and let's start right here. How would you describe the buildup to the season for Nevada? And obviously, game one against a tough opponent taking on USC at the Coliseum, but uh, how things have gone getting ready for for the season and through week one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's expected to be a year where Nevada takes a big step forward. Uh, Ken Wilson was a first year, first time head coach last season. They go two and 10. They win their first two games lose their last 10 uh, go winless in Mountain West play. So he did inherit a pretty um, decimated roster after a coaching change. Jane Norvell left to go to Colorado State, took about a dozen players with him. So he was kind of, you know, fighting with a bum hand last year. They did add more than a dozen Pac-12 transfers this offseason. They've got more than two dozen Power 5 transfers altogether on the roster. So the hope and expectation is Nevada can go from two wins last year to maybe being a bowl-caliber team this season. You mentioned that season opener against USC didn't go all that well. Nevada lost 66-14. to 14. Now USC will probably do that to a lot of Mountain West caliber teams. Um, you know, a couple big passing plays for Nevada offensively, but overall, uh, you know, really struggled to run the ball. Uh, that was an issue last year as well. So I would imagine Idaho probably comes in this game with a little bit more confidence based on their season opener than Nevada, considering the Wolfpack has lost 11 straight games last time. This program lost 11 straight games. Their legendary head coach, Chris Alt, was just a high school student. So it's been a long, long time. you got to go back to the 1960s to see a losing streak of this length for the Wolfpack football program. And you kind of lead me into my next question, and it's so great that you have the, the long-term perspective of things. But, you know, for an Idaho fan that maybe keeps somewhat of an eye on Nevada, that maybe not knowing the full details, last year's record might surprise them. You talk about the coaching change. Can you just kind of give uh, the state of the program over the, the last little bit and uh, obviously trying to turn it around now with Ken Wilson, and you mentioned some of those factors going into it, but uh, just what the feeling is like with, with where the program is at right now? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Chris Alt, and he was kind of the face of this program in the athletic department for a long time. So he was a quarterback for the program. He was a head coach for 28 years over three different stints. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's actually on the College Football Playoffs uh, Selection Committee, one of only 13 uh, on that committee. So he was this historic figure who was also athletic director for a long time, took Nevada from independent Division II all the way up to the Division I ranks, the Big West, the WAC, the Mountain West. So he was kind of the driving force. He resigns in 2012, and since then, they've really tried to find a championship-caliber coach. They had Brian Polian. He was the son of Bill Polian, the uh, NFL uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, as an executive with the Bills and the Colts. Um, he had four years, kind of a so-so program, a couple of bowls. He got fired. Then they have Jay Norvell. He has a struggle in his first year and then builds the program up. Four straight bowls, but couldn't quite get to a Mountain West championship game despite having some really good NFL-level talent his last couple of years. He kind of gets fed up with the fact that Nevada's infrastructure, their support for football financially, not necessarily at the Mountain West average. So he goes to Colorado State, the first sitting Mountain West coach, to go to another Mountain West job. And then they hire Ken Wilson, who was an assistant at Nevada under Coach Alt, also worked as an athletic director um, associate uh, under Alt as well. So this was very much an Alt-oriented 
oriented hire to get someone who would be loyal to the program, to get somebody who knows the history of Nevada. He was with the Wolfpack from 1989 to 2012, uh, kind of an older first time head coach. And the whole thought process was, you know, if we get this guy and he's good, he's not going to leave this program for a job like Colorado State. So uh, in basically the 11 years since Coach Alt stepped down, Nevada's gotten close a couple times to getting to a conference championship game, but they've not been able to hit that standard. Um, this was usually a conference championship caliber team for the majority of all its tenure. And now they're just trying to get back to that place. And the hope is after two wins last year, maybe you're bowl caliber this year, and then maybe in year three and four, you're ready to compete with the better uh, teams in the Mountain West and get to your first Mountain West championship game. And Ken Wilson, no stranger to the Palouse, spent time on Mike Leach's staff at WSU. And it's interesting, a lot of that history you cover, you did such a great job of it. It, it. Some of it was part of part of the path when Idaho and Nevada went on you know, different paths. But this was a conference game and not all that long ago. Yeah, I mean, these two programs first played in 1924, so almost 100 years ago. So there certainly is a lot of history. They played 11 times in the 1980s, including an FCS playoff game. Um, you know, really since 1990 on, Nevada's kind of taken the upper hand in the series. Like you said, they were big sky mates. They were whack mates. Nevada even took Idaho's head coach, Chris Tormey, um, prior to the 2000 season. So they've kind of been rivals for a long time over, you know, their last eight games, nine games, not so much. Nevada's won the last eight games in this series by at least 16 points per game. But I think this is going to be a much closer game. Um, so we will see. I mean, I think Nevada is very fortunate. It could have been kind of in that bucket of Idaho, not quite make it at the FBS, fall down to the FCS. Now, they haven't maybe had as much success over the last decade or two as they would like at this level, but they've been able to sustain as a pretty solid bowl caliber program in the FBS. And, um, you know, now they'll get uh, an Idaho team that uh, wants to show that it can beat an FBS opponent, uh, you know, Idaho 0-8 against the FBS is dropping down to the FCS. And, um, you know, they were very close last year against Washington State, played uh, Indiana really strong. So I uh, have not seen a betting line on this game, but I'd be surprised if it was more than a touchdown in Nevada's favor. You can look at the Sadrin ratings, Idaho ranked higher than Nevada. So despite, you know, the Wolfpack kind of leaving Idaho behind in terms of their conference affiliations, I think when they step on the field, there's not going to be a huge talent disparity between the two programs. It should make for an interesting game coming up. And uh, as far as the quarterback competition went leading up to the season, and obviously Brennan Lewis playing, but also A.J. Bianco playing at the USC game, how would you say that competition went? And, and what's the status uh, right now? It seemed like Bianco did some good things when he was out there against USC. Yeah, an 80-yard touchdown pass on his first college play. So that, that's pretty solid there. He's a retro freshman from Lahaina. Actually, his parents' house burned down during that uh, tragic fire last month. Um, he played his high school ball in Honolulu at St. Louis High, which has produced a number of NFL uh, quarterbacks, including Tua Tagovailoa. So a very strong high school program. He redshirted last year. Um, you know, I think Brendan Lewis kind of had this job from the time he transferred to Nevada. He joined the Wolfpack, committed to Nevada on Christmas Eve, this last Christmas Eve. So he started for Colorado all of 2021, also started the 2022 season opener. So 13 Pac-12 starts under his belt. I actually thought he played pretty well against USC. Um, he was uh, sacked and uh, fumbled his return for a touchdown in that third quarter, and they ended up flipping the quarterback and giving A.J. Bianco his college debut. So I think Brendan Lewis is still the guy. He's an athletic quarterback. He can make plays with his legs. That is helpful for Nevada, given the offensive line with the Wolfpack is a little bit vulnerable. Um, he was sacked five times in that game against USC. So, uh, you know, I think uh, he's got a very strong arm. He's got good experience, you know, more than 500 snaps at the Pac-12 level. I think he is the guy, despite uh, them giving A.J. Bianco a little bit of run against USC, but they're certainly confident in both of those quarterbacks. And I think in general, the quarterback position is better at Nevada. Uh, Nevada split 
their quarterback starts last year between Shane Ellingworth and uh, Nate Cox. Shane Ellingworth's still on the team. He's an Oklahoma State transfer. Now, number three on the depth chart. So that shows you how much they've upgraded that position last year. Nevada had more interceptions, eight, than passing touchdowns, seven. Um, so I think you're going to see more explosiveness from the passing game. The, uh, the Wolfpack did throw for more than 300 yards against USC, 311. That would have been their most of any game last season as well. So I think um, from a quarterback perspective, Nevada's in a pretty good spot. It's more about that offensive line and that run game uh, coming on track because that is something that Ken Wilson has said since he got this job he wants to establish. And it didn't happen last year, and it certainly didn't happen in the game against USC right around 45 rushing yards on 39 attempts. That takes me right to my next question, and that might just be the answer right there. But if you're, you're Idaho, you're looking at this game, uh, what do you think the Vandals coaching staff is looking at the biggest weaknesses for Nevada are? Is, is it the offensive line and trying to get that run game established, or is there something else on the defensive side of the ball that uh, has really been something that, uh, that they're trying to shore up? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you look at Nevada's offense, it is that offensive line. They entered the season with just 37 career starts among their entire returning offensive line. Uh, a kid named Isaiah World, their left tackle, had the most with 10 career starts. He only played one year of high school football. Uh, he's only in his third year at Nevada. So it's a very young offensive line in terms of the defensive side of the ball. The Wolfpack did lose their top three safeties, their top three tacklers last year. And I think you saw that in the game against USC. They almost threw for 500 yards. They almost had seven yards of total offense. So while Ken Wilson's expertise and specialty is defense, he was a defensive coordinator at Oregon before that defensive coordinator uh, at Nevada. And obviously that time on Washington state staff as a linebackers coach, the thought was because he is more of a defensive oriented guy and about his defense would be a little bit stronger entering the year. Now this is USC. So it's a different caliber of team, but Idaho has got some very good offensive players as well. I mean, four on the preseason, all big sky team, including, uh, you know, the, the preseason offensive player of the year and the, the reigning FCS rookie of the year. Um, so that's a very explosive unit. And I think you look at Nevada's secondary, it is a little bit suspect. So I would not be surprised if Idaho has a lot of success throwing the ball. Um, but those would be the two biggest points, the secondary, specifically the safeties, and then the offensive line. Those are the biggest questions entering the season. And I don't think those questions were really answered in the game against USC. We touched on the quarterback position. If you're talking about the standout players, the guys that uh, Nevada are really going to be relying on this year, if they're going to have success, uh, who are those top names that, that, that jump out to you that Nevada, they, those are going to be the workhorses, those are going to be the guys who are so productive for them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are the Pac-12 transfers that I mentioned. So we did mention Brendan Lewis. He's from Colorado. Uh, they're two running backs, Sean Dollars and Ashton Hayes came from Oregon and Cal, respectively. Both those guys were four-star recruits. Uh, more all-purpose back kinds. They're not you know, necessarily going to get you a ton of yards between the tackles. Um, that's not necessarily what they're built for. And then you look at the uh, pass catchers. You have Delvon Campbell, six foot four, fastest wide receiver on the team. He's from Illinois. He was on Nevada's team last year. And then some newcomers from the Pac-12 ranks. You have Kalecki Latu. He's a tight end from Cal. You have Isaiah Crocker. He's a wide receiver from Oregon. You have John Jackson, the third. He's a wide receiver from USC. So they went and targeted the offense with Pac-12 transfers. And then Jamal Bell, who actually has been at Nevada for the last five years, um, is a kid who has uh, had offers from half the Pac-12. He had a career-high eight catches, more than 100 yards against USC. Um, kind of a more of a, a slot wide receiver, but he's super, super athletic, very fast as well. So um, there's some good skill on Nevada's offense. It really just comes down to that offensive line, giving those guys opportunities to make big plays. And Nevada did make two big plays against USC, two uh, passes of at least 75 yards. Um, so I think the thought is, is this is going to be a more explosive unit. I mean, Nevada averaged only 19 points per game last year. 
that was their second lowest since moving to the FBS in 1992. So this is a, a team and a program known for its offense. Last year, that wasn't the case. Yes, only 14 points against USC. They did miss two field goals. They were long field goals, but could have scored 20 points on the Trojans. So I think offensively, Nevada has a little bit of confidence that it's going to be much better than it was last year. And I think the skill position players are there to have that confidence. I think that's right. There was some last-second shuffling to the coaching staff for Nevada before the start of the season and included the departure of the quarterback coach. Is that just a small blip on the radar, or was that something that was pretty disruptive? Yeah, I mean, not only that, but they switched special teams coordinators in the middle of fall camp as well. So the two coaching changes to your full-time staff in fall camp is pretty unexpected. Nate Costa was the quarterback's coach. He has accepted a non-football job outside of the state. He did give Nevada the opportunity to match his salary. The Wolfpack declined to do so. So um, that happened 12 days before the season opener. It's not ideal. What Nevada ended up doing is they took their offensive coordinator, Derek Sage, who was previously at uh, UCLA and and spent some time at Washington State as well. Um, He was working with the tight ends. He is now the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator. I think Nevada is spinning that as that's a really good thing because you want your offensive coordinator interacting daily with the quarterbacks, making sure they know the game plan. And then their tight ends uh, position they gave to Virgil Green. He's a Wolfpack alum, played against Idaho a lot when they were in the WAC, played uh, 10 years in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. He had been on staff in a player development role, um, kind of just helping guys acclimate to the college level. Now he's a full-time assistant coach. So um, I don't think it's ideal to have those coaching changes in you know the, the middle of fall camp, but I do think given that they had somebody on staff in Virgil that they could upgrade to tight end, they could move Derek Sage over the quarterbacks. That is a position he's not worked with previously. I don't think it was super detrimental, but uh, not ideal to have that kind of disruption in the middle of preparing for a season. Anything we haven't touched on that you're particularly curious to see when it comes to Saturday's game and this matchup between Idaho and Nevada? I mean, just the McCormick brothers coming back to town. Uh, Both of them went to Churchill County High School in Fallon. That's about maybe an 80-minute drive from Reno. So I was able to speak with them earlier this week. They said they're expecting to have, uh, you know, around 140 uh, friends and family in the stadium. Uh, They attended many games at Mackey Stadium. They didn't get recruited very highly from Nevada. Now, that was under a previous coaching staff. That was under Jay Norvell. Ken Wilson actually said in his press conference this week, um, you know, he hates to see when good Northern Nevada players leave the area. And, and that's, he's made that a, an emphasis trying to keep those local kids home. So I think it'll be a cool opportunity for both of them to to come back to Northern Nevada and, and play a game in a stadium that they may have called home if, if things worked out differently. And obviously both of them are all big sky third team last year. So very valuable members of the Vandals. And, um, you know, just from a, a local perspective, I think that will be exciting for Northern Nevada fans to see those two kids come back after they did great things at Fallon. And one last question for you, for you before we let you go. I guess in, in just the ever-changing landscape of college athletics, I, I'm going to ask you this because Nevada used to come to Moscow for a conference game and, and shoot, Nevada might be coming to Pullman for a conference game. Who knows how <laughs> things shake out? What, what's, the, what's the perspective uh, from the Nevada point of view on what has happened to the Pac-12 and how that can might ultimately impact them in the, in the year or years to come? I mean, I think it's turning up roses for the Mountain West in Nevada to this point. I think the thought process is the Mountain West was going to get gobbled up by the Pac-12 if the Pac-12 lost some members. I don't think anybody thought the Pac-12 would be decimated to this point where there's only two members left. So the Mountain West has been untouched, which has been perfect for them. They might be able to add Oregon State and Washington State, which would probably be the top two programs in the Mountain West if that comes to pass. And I think the concern for Nevada was like, let's say half of the Mountain West leaves to go to the Pac-12 to backfill that conference. Nevada would not have been in that top six team. So the Wolfpack is very happy with what's happened. The Mountain West is very happy with what's happened. We'll see if they do do a reverse merger and get into the Pac-12, um, you know, kind of under a different name. But thus far up to this point, 
Gloria Navarez, who actually lives up, up in Tahoe, not too far from our studio. Um, she came down and talked with us uh, during the, the middle of this. And, you know, she's been very pleasantly surprised at how everything has turned out. And we'll see if they're able to add Washington State and Oregon State in the next month or so. Obviously, the Wazoo and Cougars fans and the Beavers fans don't want that to be the final outcome, but it seems like the most likely outcome at this point. It is a wild time. Uh, Chris, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes chatting with us. And uh, for Vandal fans who want to get caught up on this game or just want to, to follow Nevada, what's the best way where they can follow your work? Yeah, I mean, NevadaSportsNet.com. We actually are also broadcasting the game, and we'll stream it on our website. So if you're looking for a free stream, just go to NevadaSportsNet.com, and uh, we will have it right on the center of our um, page. Uh, so Vandals fans can watch from uh, Moscow. Fantastic. Thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Once again, a big thank you to Chris Murray for taking the time to chat with us and talking about this series between Idaho and Nevada. 30th all-time meeting. The first game was played back in 1924. Nevada has won the last seven matchups. The last time Idaho beat Nevada, the game was played in Reno. It was November 6th. 1999. So the Vandals hope to wipe out that seven-game losing streak against Nevada and get a victory over the Wolfpack on Saturday. Uh, don't forget, we'll have all the coverage for you. Myself and Trent Cowan will be there in Reno. Kickoff is at 4 o'clock Pacific time. Our coverage with the takeoff to kickoff show presented by the Pullman at Moscow Regional Airport will begin an hour prior. We'll talk with Coach Eck. We'll have our Where Are They Now segment. We'll really set the table for the matchup. And then don't forget to stick with us for our post-game coverage as we'll talk with Coach Eck and we'll have a full recap of that game. So tune in on the Vandal Radio Network at GoVandals.com or if you don't have it downloaded already, the Varsity Network app, you can listen to every Vandal game, every Vandal coaches show for free. Again, that is the Varsity Network app. You want to make sure you have that downloaded if you don't already. Well, right now, going from talking about football to the other football, Vandal soccer, we had a great time sitting down with Jeremy Clevenger. He is in his sixth year as the head coach of the Vandal soccer program, and he really has done an excellent job at the helm of the program. The team 3-1-1 to start this season. They'll be on the road for their next three matches and then at home next on September 20th for the conference opener against Weber State. Here is our conversation with Jeremy Clevenger. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you for having me. Okay, so here we are when, uh, as we're having this conversation, but on the cusp of, uh, of more matches coming up. But uh, so far, an impressive record at 3-1-1. One, one. Uh, how would you say the season has gone to this point? No, it's been a great start. You know, I think when you, you start the season 3-1-1 one, and, one, and um, you know, get some shutouts and get some road wins and uh, compete some, we think, of very uh, all the teams that we played against have been very high quality and and to kind of come up with those results we're pretty pretty pleased so far and then it started out at home a really impressive win over seattle u and then a tough opponent but exciting to have u-dub come to the dome how nice was that to, to begin the season right here in moscow oh it was it was special it's been a few years since we've been able to open uh conference or season play uh at home usually we've been on the road the last couple of years so to get in front of our fans and uh, start a season with high energy um, and play two really good teams 
it, it was an amazing experience, and for the team, they really enjoyed it. Um, you know, get that win over Seattle University, uh, a quality side, you know, furnished second in, in their conference last year, and just always a team that always is, uh, you know, dangerous and uh, good, and, and so that was an opening test that was that was very good for us, and we were able to get that win. Um, and then, you know, coming into the Washington game, we had a lot of confidence. I thought it was a great game for us. You know, we – you know, uh, lost that one. However, you know, there was periods of time we were we were dominant. You know, I think the first half we were the better team. Um, you know, we created more opportunities, scoring opportunities. Uh, they kind of got a goal off the run of play, which, you know, kind of shocked us, took us on the back feet, but we responded with a goal. And then I think give credit Washington kind of showed their class with, uh, you know, in the second half, I thought they were a little bit better than us, and that was a difference. But, you know, you take those two opening games, great start, um, and really had some strong performances from a lot of players. And something you've already touched on a little bit, going on the road and having success, uh, a shutout over UNLV and Utah Tech. How is the team able to go on the road? Always difficult, yeah. and to have uh, those kind of results. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, you go on the road can be tough, different environments, and we face some challenges with uh, heat, you know, and things like that. Um, and um, you know, the Utah Tech was a great game, and got there late. We actually weren't able to practice on on the on the day before, which kind of. Uh, Kind of got to a little bit of a slow start on the on Utah Tech, and the players were able to find their their rhythm and get that get that win on the road. And then UNLV, I thought, was just a, a great overall performance. I think it showed um, what we can do against a very very talented UNLV, UNLV team. You know, it was 100 degrees out there, so it was super hot, and our players just handled it well. They were uh, organized. Um, they take their moments to, to attack. Um, got the, the got the goal in the second half, and then once we got that, you know, I kind of felt like, hey, yeah, we're gonna win this because you know we had a just experience to kind of see it out, and it was just a really impressive row win. And Kira Vita, a big part of that. She was named Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, following those two games, her first honor of this season, fourth of her career. So, man, just going over her resume yeah. already. 13 shutout season last year, two shutouts already this year, climbed up to the number one spot in program history for career shutouts, and uh, tied for that spot in just 21 games. She's been absolutely phenomenal. In what ways has she improved over the offseason, and that has spilled over into this season? Yeah, you know, she uh, is a player that has just so much confidence in herself. You know, you uh, you know worry sometimes with a successful first year that they're gonna not be focused or committed or kind of take things for granted, and that's not the case. She has come in sharp. She wants to work hard. She's doing things extra, um, and she just has a ton of confidence on the field when and the team does as well. Um, some things that have I've seen some huge improvement is just her kicking game. You know, she has improved that. Um, tremendously she's been good we play through her in the back but you know when we need to go a little bit longer or hit those uh, punts and kicks I mean her her range of distribution has increased uh, a lot and that's uh, something the weapon that teams just have to respect um, but she's just a player that's been outstanding for the early season and and you know hopefully that continues and she's part of that strong group of returners. Can you kind of walk us through that uh, collection of really talented players that you have back in the fold this year? Yeah, no, we're very lucky. You know, we, we returned 10 starters. Um, not many teams get that that uh, that luxury. Uh, and, you know, I would say part of that is our midfield and defense. Um, you know, we have a back line that is the same 
for for Kira. Um, you know, Rebecca Reyes, Casty Elker is just two studs on our on our center backs who just you know don't let a lot of things get to Kira, but when Kira does, she'll she'll take care of it and handle it. Um, and then you know, Maya Hamilton and Alyssa Peters are just you know been great um, outside backs for us. Can defend, get up and attack. They've been a big part of our attack. And then you know, our midfield. Has been special, you know. Amargo um, Schessler has been amazing, and then Annika Farley um, doing it on the both ends. Annika has a couple goals already, and then you know one player that kind of shines for us defensively that um, that may not get a lot of credit is, is Jade Sprague. She's been a player that just you know when the air uh, breaking up play. She just she just is timely in her decisions to help us not let things get to the to Kira. And uh, she's having a fantastic year so far. And even with this large number of veteran players, there's still been some newcomers that have been able to, to see some action and make some strong contributions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, not a new player, but someone I want to highlight is is Hannah Alfaro. She, um, you know, played last year, um, but she has stepped into a huge role for us in the uh, center attacking midfield, and she's been – uh, hasn't gone on the stat sheet, I don't believe. However, she is making things click for us, getting us opportunities, um, providing us uh, opportunities. And then a couple other ones, new players that I think are making it. Carly Oshita Williams has had a special, uh, special, uh, these actually four, four games. Uh, she's been starting up top for us, sophomore, um, you know, making things happen up there. And then, you know, another player that we're really excited about is Naomi Alvarez, who, you know, spent the last year. Um, rehabbing an injury and it's been actually two years since she's actually played soccer and uh, she's uh, uh, has been just an, a beast up there for us she's chased their her work rate chasing people down she hold up she actually she's been a player that when we go back and watch a film you know she might not get the assist but she's actually the player that you know deflected the ball or got us the goal kick or got us a throw in that end up for us to score the goal and her impact uh, early on has been uh, been special that's fantastic to hear after being out yeah. like that and being able to overcome that adversity come back and and make those kind of contributions and as as we chat here today folks might be listening uh, right as the time that the the cal state northridge game is coming up but this is a this is a road swing as uh, september 7th and the thursday a matchup on the road against cal state northridge then uh, continue on with the big west foe uh, going to santa barbara that game on sunday and then the the road trip continues taking on uh, texas el paso on september 14th so when you look ahead to this stretch of games all on the road coming up uh, what comes to mind that it's going to take uh, to go on the road again and to come back with a lot of success like the last trip. Yeah, no, it's 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 a three-game road streak uh, stretch that uh, we got to be prepared for, uh, and I think our players know that. You know, anytime you go to California, it's just tough. It's just tough to go to travel, and you know, really good teams out in California um, have a lot of respect for Northridge and Santa Barbara. Uh, you know, we were able to play Santa Barbara last year, and uh, was one of my favorite games. We were able to get the win, uh, 1-0 win, but um, you know, it was just a fun game from both sides, just playing high-level soccer. Uh, and I know they'll probably be ready for us, uh, you know, back at, at their place as well. So we know these two, two California games, we need to be ready to go and sharp. Uh, and then, you know, traveling up to UTEP, um, another, again, quality opponent that uh, is just going to have to, you know, last three games before we enter a conference. So we got to be sharp and use these games to, to prepare, um, you know, and, you know, ha have some success on the road. 
And you touch on that, the team comes back home, and then it's time to start Big Sky play. Great opportunity for everyone to come out and see the team in action. That next home game will be against Weber State. That's on a Wednesday, September 20th, the conference opener. Obviously, in a good way, there's there's expectations for the Vandals coming into this year. Going to be an exciting race in the Big Sky. What are your thoughts on the conference landscape? Uh, I know you're in the middle of non-conference play right now, but uh, that first Big Sky game will be here before we know it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always tell the players, you know, we're Regardless of what happens in the non-conference, you need to be ready for the conference because it always gets tighter. Uh, teams battle harder. You know those score lines shrink a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's something this team knows what it takes to win, which is which is exciting. Uh, however, you know they 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 also have to do it as well. So, you know, we Weber State will be a great opponent. They always it's always great games between us. Um, and that'll be a fun opportunity to kick off the conference season with a great team, a great opponent, and hopefully we can kind of continue what we did last year and, and, and get some wins. Well, you've already kind of touched on a great story of one of your players, but just kind of a big-picture question here. I know that uh, your student-athletes in the program are not only great representatives of Idaho when it comes to what they're doing with the with the uniform on, but also when it comes to what they do in the classroom. Uh, anyone in particular you want to highlight? I know there's just a lot of hard work that goes into every aspect of being a student-athlete for all your players. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the whole team does a great job. You know, it's a team that is dedicated not only to soccer, but it's dedicated classroom. You know, since I've been here, we've been around a 3.5 to 3.7 team GPA. Um, about half the team usually gets 4.0s. Um, you know, so and we're on the road. Like, you know, we, we have fun on the road, but you everyone's studying. Their books are cracked. They're all preparing, you know. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a team that is – defines a student athlete right they are committed to their academics um you know we have a bunch of players that are in, in you know the engineering program we have players that are you know biomedicals um there's a lot of different you know high academic uh, players and just kind of it, it gives us joy to see them have success on the field and off the field and for you too, this is year six. Time, time flies <laughs> uh, when it comes to, to building a program and putting your fingerprints on a program. And uh, we've been able to fortunately see the success of all that. Uh, what does it mean to just kind of have that continuity and to be able to build year in and year out and to just to add on to the success year after year? Yeah, it, you know, it's shocker to think <laughs> six seasons and you know they say, what's, what's the saying time flies when you have fun and, and I've had a blast it's been uh it's it's awesome to finally be at a spot in the program where you know the players know your expectations you know the players you've recruited them since you know they're you know sophomores and juniors in high school and um that the players know the expectations and you know the culture is is, is amazing so it gets fun. It's fun. It's a fun time. I love going to practice every day. I love, you know, joking with the players. I love seeing them perform and do well on the field. So, um, you know, it's, like I said, crazy as six years and six seasons, but, uh, you know, it's definitely been, been uh, you know, a blessing for me. And when you're out on the recruiting trail and you're selling Idaho for, you know, folks who are somewhat in the region or maybe further out of the region, what, what are the things when, you, when you're selling this school and this athletic department and coming to be a Vandal, what seems to, to resonate with those recruits who then ultimately become Vandals? You know, I think it's a couple things. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of sell this, but once a player or, or a family comes on campus, they see what a true community Idaho is. You know, from Moscow to uh, the university itself, um, it's a special place. And I think people really 
get a feel for that um, when they step on campus and see how friendly people are and the camaraderie and school spirit and that uh, that passion that that people have for Idaho. So it's it's you know it's definitely been a huge selling point when we get uh, recruits on campus. Um, and then high academics has been you know an amazing sell for us. Um, and then you know just the just the uh, just the community and ability, the school spirit, the college town atmosphere. Uh, it's when you put all those things together, um, I think people really fall in love with the University of Idaho. And just for people listening out there who might not have the schedule in front of them, a number of opportunities coming up to see the team in action at home. Again, the next one will be the conference opener September 20th against Weber State. Then a matchup with Montana. That's on Sunday, October 1st. October 20th, Northern Colorado will be in town. And then uh, it caps off in a big way against Northern Arizona. That will be senior day on October 22nd. So, Jeremy, the last thing I, I have for you, for, for people listening, and, and they you know want to get behind the program, how much does it mean? To, to you and to all the players when you know the the dome has plenty of folks in there just or if it comes down to there's the teams on the road and making sure to tune in on ESPN plus what does that mean oh uh, it's it's it means everything it means everything to our players you know when we get uh you know you know either eyeballs on ESPN plus or we get uh you know obviously more importantly fans in the in, uh, uh, seats uh, people in this in the seats uh, I mean, it's uh, the energy in there. I mean, it's it could be fun. It could be fun. I mean, I think we have a special environment too, and with the video board and you know light shows and you know the whole atmosphere in there. I think it's a fun uh, product to watch. Um, but it it is special when you get that place rocking and the environment uh, that is is high. So you know we hope and hope people come out and support us. We really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for uh, chatting, and uh, best of luck on the upcoming road trip. And can't wait for the team to be back in action at the Dome. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And again, our thanks to Jeremy Clevenger for joining us and to both of our guests here on this edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Chris Murray and Jeremy Clevenger. Don't forget our next broadcast on the Vandal Radio Network will be at 4 o'clock Pacific time when the Vandals are down in Reno. Myself and Trent Cowan will be there for all the coverage for the matchup against Nevada. 4 o'clock Pacific time kickoff. Our coverage will start an hour prior. And if you haven't caught all of our prior episodes, episodes one episode two go back and do so you can listen on the media player at govandals.com just go to govandals.com slash vip you can also find it if you go to govandals.com under inside athletics under fan zone the last link you can click on vandal insider podcast and the media player is right there or you can also listen or download on your favorite podcast platforms as well. Well, I'm Chris King signing off for this edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll chat with you soon. V's up.